More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thinking about the future of the country? So are we. Candidates, coverage, and analysis you won't get anywhere else. Let's go. Donald Trump, as he told you he would do last week on this program, officially announcing that he's going to run for president in 2024. And we will go ahead and play the audio of that official announcement last night from Mar-a-Lago. Here is what it sounded like. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. All right. So, Buck, I watched the entire speech, as it were. Uh, They carried much of it live on Fox News during Sean Hannity's show. They cut in and out a couple of times to allow people to react I guess what maybe stood out the most to me about the entire address was it was very subdued, relatively speaking, for Donald Trump, uh, felt also, as a result, very presidential, and he played a lot of the greatest hits from his 2016 campaign as a part of uh, this announcement. And also, I, I think one reason why it was relatively subdued was because... I guess it was on Thursday or was it Wednesday night? I can't even remember when Trump attacked Glenn Youngkin, when he attacked uh, Ron DeSantis, when he went after a lot of different people uh, with all of those statements. I think that that was generally not received very well. And so the argument is out there. And I think he followed basically what we said on this program. Hey, it's got to be a forward-looking campaign. Uh, The thing that he said that I was most responsive to in a positive direction, and I think he got this 100% correct, and I wish more Republicans would be saying it, he said one of the first things that he would do uh, when he came into office is to bring back everybody who lost their jobs in the military over the COVID shot requirements. He would end all Biden vaccine mandates, and he would give back pay to all of those uh, soldiers who lost their jobs over the COVID shot. Thank God somebody is finally saying that. That's what jumped out the most to me about the entire address 
What about you, Buck? What stood out to you? Did anything surprise you? Uh, How would you assess the overall announcement itself? So much interesting stuff happening here. When you get in this early, this far ahead of anyone else who may run, and keep in mind there will be people who may decide to run who have no chance at all, but but they use it as a chance to get their name out there and sell books. You know, somebody who's kind of more of a libertarian may run as a Republican or whatever. We've seen that in the past. Distinct possibility of that. So you're, you're likely to see some names enter it just because there'll be press associated with that in the months ahead. Trump is in super early, and this is going to create, I think, some advantages and, and some challenges. One thing that does seem that that's, I think, uh, stuck out to everybody last night, and I, I watched the whole thing live, too, uh, was that Trump was very clearly trying to take a common presidential tone throughout it wasn't, you know, rock'em, sock'em, uh, Trump in WWE mode. You know, it was definitely a, a, a intentionally presidential tone, I think. The, the decision not to talk or not to focus on, on 2020 is the right one. Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody should have any confusion about that. From a pure tactical perspective, never mind anything else, that's not going to work. And we're going to have our friend uh, Ryan Gerdusky joining us in the second hour today of the program, who is a political consultant. All he does is, is look at the, the, the polling, the exit polling, the data, the numbers, the races, and we'll break down some of the good, the bad, and the, and the ugly from this election. There was some good, uh, which you want to focus on as well. It is, in fact, possible that today during the show, we may, I think, be able to officially call the House. I mean, it's basically the House's GOP now, right? But it hasn't been yes. official, official called yet. But I look, I think that Trump, we're, we're two years out from the election, and there's going to be not only an evolution of Trump in his campaign that will occur, that's, that's obvious, uh, there's also going to be events that will conspire to uh, change around whatever plans are currently made, whatever strategy is currently in place. So I think we just follow this at every step and every stage. And it's it's good that there will be, in my mind at least, um, more the de facto leader of the Republican Party came out last night and said, I am now the, you know, for right now, he is the official leader of the Republican Party. I don't think anyone would really uh, dispute that as he is the only person who has come out in favor of or come out officially running. So we got to see, man. I mean, I want to see how he does uh, in these first six months. The guy pulled off something of a political miracle, it seems, in 2016. He was a really great president when he was in office in so many ways, accomplished so many things. But the game has changed a lot. The world has changed a lot. And we've got to see how it all stacks up. So I'm enthusiastic. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that this is. Uh, this is the the trajectory right now for the GOP to get to get serious about winning after what just happened because it was a body blow. We all know it should have been better than what it was in the midterms. Nobody was more ticked off, by the way, than Clay and I. I mean, we're sitting here, we're furious for days about how this thing went, but now we understand how it went that way, and I think that Trump may be able to galvanize uh, Republicans to understand not only what's bad about Biden, but what could be so much better under a Republican administration. The thing that I would say is the announcement is unprecedented. Uh, To have someone announced to run for president 
effectively 14 months until we actually have the first primary, which in theory would be, I still think it's going to be Iowa, although how exactly that's going to shake out remains to be seen because Democrats are saying Iowa isn't representative enough. I think they may change their calendar. We'll see what Republicans end up doing. But for Trump to be in 14 months before anyone out there listening to us right now can have any official say in terms of who they would support is a long time. And what we don't know is what's going to happen with all these investigations. And, and I think it's smart of Trump to be in if he is going to be indicted because now the storyline, I think it's hard to avoid this being the storyline, is the chief political rival who has announced that he is going to be running against Joe Biden is being investigated by the Department of Justice of Joe Biden. So if he is indicted now, it's very easy for Trump to say this is a politically motivated indictment. But the thing I wonder, and this circles back around to a conversation we were having earlier this week, Democrats are desperate for, for Donald Trump to be the nominee. Every Democrat out there, if you say you get to pick a Republican, they want to run against Donald Trump. Now, they were excited for him to be the nominee in 2016, and he beat him. But their entire party is basically defined by saying Trump is Hitler. So my point on this is, I think Trump is strengthened if they indict him. So there's this idea out there, and I want you to think about it a little bit counterintuitively, that Democrats are trying to knock Trump out by investigating him at Mar-a-Lago, by raiding with the FBI. I would actually argue the opposite might be true, that they are trying to ensure that he is the nominee. And I think one of the things you could do that would most strengthen Trump, Buck, is actually indict him because I think his base rallies around him when the indictment happens. Well, right, if we were getting this out a little bit, I, I see that. But the indictment of Trump, which we believe would focus on mishandling of classified and, and obstruction of government, right? There is, look, it's going to be, if they bring that charge, and can we just, we're going down the rabbit hole here. We're taking a, we're taking a drive through crazy town. So everyone needs to understand that. Remember, the media spent three years. I mean, the fourth year was really more COVID, obviously, than Russia collusion. But for three years, I mean, people built huge careers and huge followings on the massive and obvious lie that Donald Trump had worked with Putin to yes. steal the election. So this is also why I understand people that say, well, you know, the 2020 election steal conversation came after the 2016 election steal conversation, which it's completely fair to point that out. That is true. But they're out of their minds, is my point. Like, like the things that you and I could see to your clay and say, well, that's totally unreasonable. Well, exactly. I mean, this is a party that just voted over, voted strongly for uh, John Fetterman, as we know, in Pennsylvania. Here's the thing. If they bring the charge, it would be, let's say they bring a federal, a federal indictment against Donald Trump. It'll be in a D.C. D.C. Circuit Court, right? That's where it's going to happen. That's where the charge will, uh, I don't know. Do you think, it, I mean, it wouldn't be in Florida. I don't know how that exactly would work. I think it would be in, in D.C., and if you get a D.C. jury, it's going to be a Trump-hating jury of MSNBC-watching libs. And if you tell them, you know, this guy should probably serve three or four months in prison, <laughs> I think they would go for it. Yeah, and there's look. no there's no presidential protection. There's no pardon. There's nothing for him. So, you know, you're saying if they indict him, the optics strengthen him. I say that's true. But if they indict him... 
If they do that, wouldn't they also try to send him to... Now, you know, look, they're not going to get him for 10 years or something crazy, but wouldn't they try to make him serve some jail time? I think they would. The problem is I don't think that they would be able to get the entire court proceeding done before Election Day. So this is, I mean, again, this is why it's so crazy to think about. So if they indicted him now, it would take months before any kind of actual trial could take place. Any appeal would take forever, right? I think we would be voting for president before there was a resolution to whatever charges might be brought against Trump. Because I think based on the special master hearing and everything else, it's unlikely they could bring any charges until the spring of 23 now. So if they bring him in the spring of 23, Buck, he could already be the nominee. You know, by March of 24, we'll probably know who the Republican nominee is. But but then we get back to also... Does it rally the Trump? First of all, are they even going to bring charges? This is still a big. I know you think they will. Yes. Um, we'll see. Uh, but if they bring charges, it certainly goes to the narrative of the swamp, the apparatus yeah. uh, going after Trump. However, there is this lesson we have learned from the swing states. We, we, we overperformed in red states. And in blue states, this is the part of it that's the reason, just so I want everyone to understand this, this is really important. The reason we have a House majority now, the reason is Florida, which just ran the table, New York, which while we didn't win the governor's race, won a bunch of down ticket congressional ballots, uh, uh, seats that were real critical. I think four of them in Long Island alone, really important, and California. So we overperformed, and there's other states you could throw into the mix there, too. So we know how to get Republican voters fired up in blue states right now. And we know certainly how to get Republican voters in the red states fired up. But to win the presidency, you got to get it's we all know that it's going to be at least, you know, given the political trajectory that we've seen for the last couple of years. It's going to be the same states that are at issue right now. You may throw one or two, you know, Virginia might be in play, right? I mean, there's some things that could switch a little bit. And Clay, an indicted presidential candidate, how does that play out? Not to our friends, not to our audience, to the independents who will determine Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin. I don't know. That's part of this. I don't. I I I won't pretend to know. I think it damages Trump immensely, but that's where I think their play is. I think they know that it strengthens him with the Republican base, likely gets him the nomination, but wounds him to such an extent that he's unlikely to be able to win in those toss-up states. I think that's their play. I think that's where they're headed. I mean, that would be the, I think the conventional ahead. wisdom would be indicted Trump scares away independents and squishy Republican college educated white voters. And you get 2022 in the swing states all over again. And that's the play that they'd be making. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and so I think it's going to be fascinating to see exactly how all of that shakes out before all is said and done. We'll continue to break this down. Also, we'll continue to let you guys react. 1-800-282-2882. You can react to what Trump said. Also, the election, we're continuing to let people uh, react to that as well. In the meantime, if you own a business, you know how well and how tough things have been the last three years. You deserve a break. If your business has five or more employees and you manage to survive COVID, you could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate, 
of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's just a refund of your taxes. How do you get your business this refund money? Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are specialists in a little-known payroll tax refund. They do all the work, no charges up front, just share a percentage of the cash they get back with you. Businesses of all types can qualify, including those who took PPP, nonprofits, even those that had increases in sales. The team at GetRefunds.com has already returned over a billion dollars to businesses. They can help you as well. How do you do it? Just go to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, answer a few questions. This payroll tax refund only available for a limited amount of time. Don't miss out. Again, go to GetRefunds.com. No risk, high reward. That's GetRefunds.com. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 14 months out from the actual primary season voting starting. Of course, we're still two years away from uh, the 2024 presidential election, which we told you on this show would effectively start as soon as the midterms were over. So I wonder, Buck, big picture here. If you are going to challenge Trump, 
Let's say you are Ron DeSantis. Let's say you are Glenn Youngkin. Let's say you are Mike Pompeo or even Mike Pence, and you are out there and you are thinking, hey, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring because, Buck, as you mentioned, a lot of people run with the knowledge that it's highly unlikely that they would ever be the nomination, but it helps their speaking fees. It makes them widely well-known to tens of millions of people that otherwise wouldn't have known them when they get to stand on the stage. It may also help them if there's a particular issue that you are really focused on that you think is not getting enough attention from the Republican Party. It can help to alter the conversation or put your issue on the stage, right? So there are many reasons why people could announce. What's the time frame on them now? Because that's the other thing I was thinking in the back of my head as we watch Trump. Now, I don't actually know anything about professional boxing in reality, but I have seen all the Rocky movies. So I do know that you got to train and you got to, you know, have some some bouts before the big bout. You know, you got to make sure you're in fighting form. Also, The Fighter, I thought, with Mark Mark Wahlberg was a very Great good boxing movie. movie. Cinderella Man, also pretty good. I like The Fighter a little bit more, but there's a lot. There's some great boxing movies. Anyway, uh, the primary process is exactly that. I mean, you actually don't want someone. You, you know who you know who thought she was going to breeze through a primary and every, everybody should just get out of the way? Hillary Clinton. No I doubt. Think, you know, hubris, hubris in 2008 was one of her many downfalls. Uh, and and I think that in this in this situation, we're we're likely to see some people who are going to come forward, and if they're in a primary with Trump, look, one of the more phenomenal things about the initial Trump rise was the way that he was able to, in a very crowded field, with some big name Republicans who are are still you know very much you know Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and people that are still very much in the game today and in significant ways, but he was able to get himself ahead of that pack. And I think that was that was honing the skill, you know, that was actually sharpening the axe to go out there and chop down the trees faster. Like it was actually a process that was worthwhile for him. So I, I don't think that anybody should think that a, a primary is the equivalent of some kind of GOP civil war. It's going to take the that wasn't the case in 2016. And that was a bruising primary. So yes. if we go in that direction, recent history tells us, OK, Let's see how let's see how that shakes out and see where the politics are uh, for the country. See where the mood of the country is at that moment in time when people will get in. Um, look, I, I have it. I, I was actually surprised to hear this. Uh, and and I, I will share this. I've heard people that would, would be in a position to know they think very seriously that Glenn Youngkin's going to get in. Yeah. Uh, which I, you know, everyone's so focused on DeSantis. Now, to a lot of our audience, I'm sure, especially people that are very excited for Trump, they're like, well, that's a, okay, but it's a, it's somebody who's, the guy's worth a couple of hundred million dollars. He's the governor of Virginia. You know, he, he may throw his hat in the ring. And I think that, you know, even if you just view them as sparring partners for Trump at some level, it's a good thing. You, I, I do not think that a coronation from the very beginning is, is really to anyone's benefit within the party, including Trump. I, I think you want him to be, you know, to be out there sparring and to be making the case, and, and he needs to be doing that because I think everyone's seen this. It is a savvier, more ruthless Democrat machine now than it was in 2016. They have figured out some tricks 
They have something. They will not allow Trump to get all the free advertising he did before. They will not allow him to leverage their toys, their social media platforms against him. So there has to be an evolution that he would take in this process in order to bring us the uh, the victory that we so desire in 2024. I think Trump believes Glenn Youngkin is going to get in the race, which is why he attacked him. You know, we everybody focused on the DeSantis attack, but he also went after Glenn Youngkin. And, so and I would add he's you, getting in. Like I would be yeah. surprised at this point, Clay. I, I can't I can't reveal the source, but I've I've been told that he's he's getting in. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think it's going to be DeSantis. I think it's going to be Glenn Youngkin. I think I mentioned him yesterday talking about the fact that I thought he was going to run and Trump. And remember, to your point on twenty sixteen. Do you remember who in the Republican Party had all the money and all of the organization and everybody was like, this is the guy? Are you talking about Jeb exclamation That's point? Jeb exclamation Jeb. point. Jeb exclamation point was the presumptive party favorite in 2016. And so what I would say about all this is you, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of people who are very nervous about the idea of a primary battle. And I just, I fundamentally reject that. If everybody decides, hey, I want to get out and Trump is the guy, that's fine. But I think it actually makes Trump a weaker candidate. For your point, Buck, you have to hone yourself by getting in that ring. The fact that Trump uh, eliminated whatever it was, 18 other contenders in 2016 made him an infinitely stronger candidate. And I think, Buck, if you go watch, and I'm curious if Trump himself would even acknowledge You go watch that first debate that he had against Joe Biden. Donald Trump was awful in that first debate. He only had two. Second one, he cleaned his clock. First one, he was awful. And I relative to past Trump debate performances. I think one reason he was awful, and you often see this from presidents, is because they're not in fighting shape because they're used to being president and they're not on the hustings, out on the trail, having to sell themselves. And so this was why Trump was bad in the first debate. He needs the reps. Yeah. He needs the practice, whoever the nominee is. And and a a good scrap within the family of the GOP is not is not a thing that that lasts forever. I mean, you think about Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. Yes. You know, they they were they were swinging at each other like uh like Apollo Creed and Rocky. I mean, they were taking yes. each other's heads off in the primary. And then when Trump you know, one, it was almost like at the end of a really tough boxing match. You'll you see this. The two boxers actually like hug it out, you know? Yep. Ted Cruz became a huge ally of Trump's in the Senate and a big advocate of the America First agenda. And they worked very well together in that capacity. So look, it's politics. Like th- things are things might get a little rough in the primary between some of the con- some of the people that are contenders here. But they want the most powerful job in the world, right? Like this is the other thing. You know, they're not, they're not trying to be the favorite, uh, you know, neighborhood third grade social uh, studies teacher or something. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But you get what I'm saying. It's it's going to be a little bit of a throwdown, and that's fine. One thing I would like to hear from Trump. Remember, in 2016, Trump famously refused to say that he wouldn't run if he was not the Republican nominee. Remember that? Like everybody else raised their hand and said, I will support the nominee. I do think my my big concern about a contested primary is we need to hear from Donald Trump an answer to that question. If you were not the nominee, let's say that Glenn Youngkin beats him. People decide out there in the in the primary that they like Glenn Youngkin or they like Ron DeSantis or Mike Pompeo or whoever else. I want we know that DeSantis and Pompeo 
and Glenn Youngkin, I think they would all do their best to elect a president in 2024. What I want Donald Trump to answer, and I think it's important, is if you were not the nominee, will you pledge to help whoever that nominee is to get elected in 2024? Because if Trump is going to say, hey, I'm the nominee or I'm going to run independent, then I think that should factor in in how people make decisions. And also, I think that would reflect really poorly on Trump. I don't think he would do that, but I'd like for him to answer that question when there are going to be debates going on between all of these different contestants. Wouldn't you like to hear the answer to that? I mean, he could lie and say, yes, I'm going to pledge, but he didn't answer it to his credit in 2016. He didn't say, hey, I'm all in for whoever the other nominee is. I'd like to think that in 24, since he's the head of the Republican Party, that he wouldn't take his ball and go home and run as an independent candidate and guarantee the Democrat wins. Again, I I think that there may be an expectation out there uh, that no one's going to run against Trump. I, th- I I see this. I mean, I have people that write in, listen to the show. Uh, I'm not sure how many there are. I think it is highly unlikely that there will be no competitors to Donald Trump in the primary. Someone may think that Trump will sweep them all away, and that's, that's of course, fine. We'll see. I don't know. I, I can't see the future. But it would be, I mean, what would you, I would give it 10 to 1 odds that there will be people that get into this primary against Trump, right? I mean, oh, if we were I, you betting, would have to, you would have to give me a ton of money to wager against there being, I mean, they're massive favorites. You said 10 to 1. I think I would give like 1 to, you know, 100, meaning you'd have to give me $100 if somebody didn't run, right? Like, I think it's a massive favorite that he's going to have several different contenders. And and everyone has to remember, it's also, it's just too much of a brand building exercise. I know that may sound a bit cynical, but for a lot of people, it's they be they go from being even like a congressman or maybe even a businessman who used to be in politics to someone more on the national stage. You sell more books. Maybe you do another run. So there's going to be I think because there are people saying, well, no one's going to get it against Trump. I think that's highly unlikely. We, we, we could be wrong, but I think that's highly unlikely. So you're, you're, you're going to see some form of primary here. And uh, that would be, I think, to I, I think everybody should recognize that a primary that makes the uh, the candidate better is something there's a reason we have primaries and we don't just That's have right. like a vote right we don't just say oh well we don't need to hear them debate or anything else so we shall see that all said it is trump's republican party right now he is the leader of the republican party right now and it's it's in his hands to make the case and and to move this thing forward many of the same topics debated in washington dc today have been contemplated since the founding of this nation human rights immigration foreign policy marriage Big topics, each of them, and worthy of debate. They were important to our founding fathers and their consistent and their constituents too. So much so that their opinions and points of view were well documented. You might be surprised what they thought and how similar the conversations were then and actually now. Our friends at Hillsdale College have created an entire online video course comparing it all and its fascinating history. Like so many other video courses created by Hillsdale, this is free for you to watch and learn from. It's all part of Hillsdale's mission to defend and explain our nation's freedoms. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation, and sign up for this new completely free online course at clayandbuck4hillsdale.com. That's clayandbuck4hillsdale.com. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got our friend, the numbers man, the political wonk, Ryan Gerdusky with us now. His very excellent Substack newsletter is the National Populist Newsletter, which you should all check out. His latest piece here is Midterm Postmortem Finale. And the subheadline: Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Ryan, great to have you back. Thank you for having me. All right, so let, let's just start with what 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 do we need to learn from this midterm, right? I mean, we've got this audience very up to speed, obviously, on you know who won, who lost, and some of the broad themes. What are the takeaways that the data now and explain how the data does it make pretty ironclad? Okay, so first, mostly importantly. There was no youth quake. The media has had this narrative coming out that there was this giant army of young Gen Z people voting uh, Democrat. Didn't happen at all. They did vote Democrat, but they came out at a smaller level than they did in 2018, and they actually voted more Republican. The data shows that the Tufts University's Tisch College uh, Civic Life, they're the ones who, who analyze the youth vote every year. They said it. David Shore, the brilliant uh, liberal uh, data analyst, looked at all the counties where young people are voting was down. All of them didn't happen whatsoever. 
Secondly, abortion, major, major, major driver for independence and people who disliked Biden but didn't hate Biden. So people who had slight unfavorability were driven towards Democrats for two reasons, abortion and denying the 2020 election really, really, really drove them away in very strong numbers. And you can see it in the issue of Arizona. In Arizona, there were nine statewide candidates. Five of them Republicans won or are winning currently Four lost. The four that lost all ran on the election was stolen. The five won did not talk about the election being stolen. Um, that was a major, major indicator. And that's probably why Trump yesterday during his hour long announcement didn't mention the, the election being stolen whatsoever. Um, that a lot of people were also motivated to vote against Trump. More were motivated to vote against Trump than were motivated to vote against Biden, which is very, very, very unusual. Um, and that's why independents, why Republicans had larger turnout numbers. Republicans really did a good job turning out. Now, won the popular vote, but it was swaying against uh, swaying against independents and people who only lean Republican that really had um, that really had a big effect. Uh, candidate quality. Let's talk about that for a second. Candidate quality does matter to a point. You, the guy, so there's a guy named Tom Horn. He's currently winning an unseating an incumbent Democrat in the state of Arizona for public instruction. He's going to be the superintendent for the whole state. He is a 70-something-year-old man, a lot of history, a lot of baggage, a lot of uh, uh, negative stories about him in the media. He's running against bilingual education, running against CRT, DEI, yada, yada, yada. He won. Why? Because he talked about the issues that really affected people that were popular, that were conservative. He never ran away from them, but he didn't delve into abortion and he didn't delve into the 2020 election. Reverse that with the guy who ran in Pennsylvania for governor, Doug Mastriano, talked nonstop about the election, said he wanted to imprison women and charge them with murder if they had an abortion, and said Jesus Christ himself would intervene in the election to make sure that he won. Huge mistake. one other thing, and then we'll go to. I'll let you guys talk, whatever. But um, Republicans. It's cool. It's cool. Go for it. It's our show. But yeah, I appreciate that. It is your show, right? Um, well, well, Republicans way overperformed in a lot of blue areas that didn't matter. So Republicans had all time highs in New York City elect congressional elections, all time high in Los Angeles congressional elections. They overperformed Biden by 10 something points in some of these places. It's just in the places that they needed to overperform, they consistently underperformed. That was problematic. They did much better with Asians, somewhat better with Latinos and rural blacks, blacks who live in the black belt of the South. And I think that lastly, we've had a lot of questions right now. Was Why are Republicans now reelecting all the people in leadership, uh, McConnell, McCarthy, yada, yada, yada? How are they being rewarded? There's an organization on the left called ACT. Blue. Act Blue connects 21 million small-dollar Democratic donors with campaigns. It's how John Fetterman was able to raise $75 million for his Senate campaign, on top of the hundreds of millions of dollars for other congressional campaigns, $15 million against Marjorie Taylor Greene in a super-safe Republican district. Republicans don't have anything close to this on our side, and the only thing that Republicans can have to lean on are Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and their super PACs. And I think that's something, a reason why they're doing well post a fairly not good midterm election. All right, Ryan, that's fantastic. I love when you come on and just break down the data for us. So let's play it forward. If you were looking at the data that you have seen in 2022, 
and you were saying what needs to happen for a Republican presidential candidate to win in 2024. And we understand it's two years away and that the issues can change and everything can evolve uh, in many different directions. But would it be fair to say no one can talk about the 2020 election and denying it, that there needs to be some form of abortion policy that is put in place uh, whether it's like, hey, I believe that you should be able to have an abortion, uh, you know, up to 15 weeks or whatever it is. I'm talking about a national candidate who's going to win some of these purplish states. What would have to happen for Republicans to win in 24, given what you're talking about happened in Arizona, in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in Nevada, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, all those states out there where this election is going to be decided? Yeah, so the 2020 election can never be revisited. It's just, it's over. You could talk about ballot harvesting. You could talk about checking. You could talk about whatever you want. But if you bring up at this point, if you are anything close to a suburban district and you bring up the fact that the 2020 election was stolen, you're going to lose. It's just the case you're going to lose. That is, it drives college-educated white voters away, and there are more of them than there are of minorities. So they they basically, sorry to cut you off, but they basically branded that so well Democrats did for even independent college-educated voters that if you're even touching that, you're like, it's like a third rail for independent voters you lose. Yeah, that, it's, think of it like, think of it like privatizing Social Security. Something that, oh, I don't know, candidates like Rick Scott and Blake Masters also campaigned on, another third rail. You could privately believe it. I don't care. There's a lot of things people privately believe but don't talk about in polite society. At this point, it has seemed so toxic to people, even people who dislike Joe Biden, that if you bring it up, there's a good chance you will lose talking about it. That is why Donald Trump, in an hour-long speech, did not mention once that the, pre- that the presidential election was stolen because the, the, just the, de- the data is out there. The polls have shown this. Re- people that you need to win to win big elections do not believe that, do not like talking about that, and they really have believed the whole you know, MSNBC line of that, that democracy is under a threat. And they, it, it feeds into the narrative, that and the abortion conversation, that um, Republicans are weird. Republicans are against your freedoms. Republicans are, they, they talk like they are all at a Trump rally or a CPAC conference. That definitely hurts them. And, and furthermore, about abortion, you asked about abortion before. If a candidate says, I support, I'm pro-life without exception, it is as detrimental to a Republican as a Democrat saying, I want to defund the police. That is how badly it polls. So when you hear somebody saying that, remember, independents are hearing defund the police. That is the same exact knee-jerk reaction. I think, I think personally the federal government does not have any role to play in abortion law. It never did before 1970-something and never will, hopefully never will again. The states should decide, just sit there and say, I don't support, I, I do not want the federal government being involved in your abortions. I just don't want it. You have to take a more libertarian stand on it. That is the way the public is on, on the issue and just back away from it. And well, you Ryan, see pro-life governors did win, though, last, on last week by huge margins in Ohio, Texas, Florida, Georgia. Yeah, Ryan, uh, one more thing. Um, just to run up against the clock and people should subscribe if you want to really see what's going on in politics across the country. The National Populist Newsletter that Ryan has on Substack and we'll put it up at ClayandBuck.com. We'll link it there so people can find it easily. Ryan, one more for you on this 
you know, I, I can't tell you how many text messages I've gotten in the last week from people who are involved in campaigns. And what they all keep saying to me is, we have to get the message to the top. If we tell people to just show up on Election Day, if we do not run mail-in ballot campaigns ourselves, if we do not use the rules as they are currently in place, it doesn't matter who some of these candidates are or who the presidential candidate is, they will lose. Absolutely. That's 100% true as well. This romanticization that we have towards only voting on Election Day is very asinine. If you believe that they're going to screw with the machines on Election Day, that's fine. Go vote early. We give, they give them sometimes months to vote early. I don't agree with, but as long as those are the rules in place, you need to take advantage of the rules. If I was on Herschel Walker's campaign right now, which I'm not, but if I was, all I would be doing is collecting early ballots and distributing them and dropping off either a drop boxes or to the Board of Elections or whatever the case may be. But making sure people vote early and getting the numbers, that's why before the, before the polls closed in Florida, DeSantis had already won. He won Miami-Dade a week before Election Day because they had gotten Republicans out in large enough numbers that they knew Miami-Dade was over. They knew the whole election was over a week out. And it's very nice to sit there and have that position where you're comfortable enough to sit there and have that uh, and and know you're going to win so far in advance. It's a turnout method. It's also swaying independent voters. But the turnout method, don't wait till Election Day. Vote early, vote often, and and if it and vote by any means necessary. Ryan Gerdusky, everybody. Ryan, appreciate you breaking it down for us. Great Substack Thank piece you. on your midterm midterm post uh, mortem. Thanks so much. Thank you. If you could save a life, would you? Of course you would. That's why we're partnering with preborn pregnancy clinics to help rescue the most vulnerable in society, preborn babies. This nonprofit organization began their mission 16 years ago and has rescued hundreds of thousands of babies' lives. Here's how Preborn does it. They introduce moms in crisis to their babies through an ultrasound. When she sees that precious baby made in God's image and hears that heartbeat that says, I'm alive, the majority of the time, she will choose life. The ultrasound does not cost that expected mom anything. It's paid for by donations, provided by people like you and me, the pro-life community. One ultrasound is just $28. Five ultrasounds total, and it will give you $140. That's all it requires. And now, through a matching donation offer, your tax-deductible gift is doubled, saving twice as many babies' lives. To donate securely, use your cell phone and dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby, or go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. This message has been sponsored by Preborn. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.